Welcome back to the Frank James Podcast. This is Frank James himself speaking to you through the power of the internet. Today's guest is Paul Kiriazzi. Paul is a movie writer and director. He had a movie come out just last year, in fact, called Forbidden Power. It's been winning some awards, and uh, I checked out the trailer. It looks pretty cool. But what I know Paul for most is his James Bond lifestyle program. It's a book, a seminar, and I even featured it in one of my videos just a few weeks back. So today I'm going to sit down with Paul and we're going to talk about his experiences in the movie industry, why so many people quit on their dreams early, and what we can learn about perseverance, self-growth, self-development from James Bond, one of the most iconic characters in movie history. A quick technical note before we begin, a bit of a, a disclaimer. Paul's audio, it's my bad, cuts in and out during this interview a little bit. It's sort of like a bad cell phone connection, if you will. But still, a lot of gold, a lot of gems come through during our conversation. I had a great time talking with him, so I hope that uh, you can put up with a little bit of uh, technical difficulty to uh, listen for Paul's wisdom, and I hope you get as much out of the conversation as I did. So, folks, here we go. Paul Kiriazzi. Paul, how are you doing? Doing good, Frank. Uh, it's good to be with you. Calling in from uh, Tokyo, Japan, so I'm uh, I'm a few hours ahead of you, and the future looks good. Okay, <laughs> very good. Yeah, where where I am, it's uh, it's eight forty. Where you are, it is. 940 in the morning. So big, big difference. Um, so let me just quickly, for our for the listener's sake, go into how I discovered the James Bond lifestyle. Well, I guess for your for your information too, Paul, since I I didn't really ever tell you, but um I actually discovered it a long, a long time ago. How long have you actually been doing the James Bond lifestyle? I coined the phrase uh 1998. And, um, yeah, there, there was never anybody using that. When I, when I started, people asked me, you know, is this about uh, womanizing and shooting people? <laughs> and now the James Bond lifestyle is used in advertisement, uh, you know, for cars and vacation. Right, right, exactly. So it's been a while. So that's uh, 21 years now. Uh, yeah, sure has. I think I discovered it uh 10, maybe 15 years ago, just as a, a high schooler or a college student searching the internet, I found the old website because you have a newer website now. I found the old one and I remember reading the 21 rules of the James Bond lifestyle and they stuck with me like 10, 10 years later, I remembered them. And so I had been wanting to make a video about it because I just thought it was, it's like this very creative, unique program for self-development, self-improvement. And uh, uh, you, I, I did, you know, I had a little fun with it. You, you were a good sport about it. You took it well. So all of a sudden, one day, P Paul Curiosi is commenting on my video. And uh, <laughs> so here we are now uh, talking about it on my podcast. I'm very excited about this. Uh, so could you, could you tell me why James Bond? What is it that, that made you decide on James Bond as the the person to pattern yourself off of? Well, you know, Frank, in, in not only the movies, but in um, TV 
TV shows, people would comment, uh, you know, who are you, James Bond, and always use that. And he seems to be the, and still remains the number one male icon. And uh, to me, it wasn't um, the adventures, it was the lifestyle before he went on missions, you know, casinos and money and cash and, uh, you know, the freedom, uh, luxury hotels. Right. I've been a freelance movie maker all my life and uh, surviving as a freelancer, um, you know, making making money was a priority. And at, at one point, um, I got a documentary film job in Phuket, Thailand, where they found me with a golden gun. The producer um, over there uh, sent me a first-class ticket and, uh, and many adventures over there. When I came back, I thought, I want more of this. I need more yeah. I want to continue. And uh, the movie uh, For Your Eyes Only just came out. I thought, wow, you know, James Bond lifestyle it just hit me. And I thought I would use that as an icon. I, I, and I'd done many success classes and many success books. And, um, and I thought, well, there's a, something to shoot for. And as I watched the James Bond movies, uh, I realized there was uh, mainly Frank you know, under pressure, and there is a lot of pressure surviving as a freelancer without a steady paycheck. Um, yeah. Under pressure, a lot of people fold, but what happens is James Bond under pressure, he focuses all of his talent at will and deliver on a deadline. That's what I have to do with movies and uh, deliver on a deadline. No matter how I'm feeling, got to call up my talent at will. So the, the, the other thing, uh, Frank, is, James Bond mm-hmm. never breathes a word about getting up. So it's those aspects of Bond. Of course, the you know the luxury that's all cool and fun, and the ready cash. But the, that's that's the main thing: not folding under pressure, never giving up. Right. So it sounds like you got a little taste of what Bond's life is like with that trip to Thailand, and uh, your life. You could see some parallels with. The pressure of having to deliver on a deadline, just like Bond, and so with your love of movies, you were able to draw the parallel between his life on the screen and what you wanted to make of your life. Is that like an accurate summation of of what went into into this uh, this idea? Yeah, it sure is. And one of my favorite Bond movies, um, Her Majesty's Secret Service. James Mond is trying to track down the bad guy. He, he asks for information, and, um, uh, makes a deal to get that information. And one of my uh, success books that I read, the only way to get something that you want is number four steps. And this parallels what James Bond did in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number one, you got to ask. Yeah. Number two, you have to ask the right people. You know, if you want a writing job, you ask people in the writing business if you want a movie job you ask people so you got to ask the right person number three you have to make a deal so hire me i'll work for free for a month and we'll go from there or you make a deal yeah. you got to give something number four keep on asking the right perseverance and that's what bond does in uh, on her majesty's secret service that's the james bond four-step program so it's exactly what bond does uh, in that movie yeah, so perseverance, that seems like a really important part of of the James Bond lifestyle, of the program. 
Could you talk a little bit about uh, perseverance and how maybe that matters more than anything else? Yeah, Ray Kroc, who uh, invented McDonald's, there's a movie out on that uh, now, but uh, mm -hmm. he said in every kitchen he has a sign that perseverance is more powerful than talent, education, or um, uh, intelligence. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if you give up, um, you know, there's those, he says there's lots of talented people and educated and smart people that success. So it, perseverance is the number one thing. I mean, if you quit, it's over. And I like what Francis Ford Coppola said about um, perseverance. He said, you know, if you, if you quit, you know, you already lost your, your dream. So you right. might as well take a chance and keep going. It's some kind of reverse philosophy, <laughs> but it's uh, it's pre it's pretty cool. He, of course, he's the filmmaker, director, Godfather, and movies. I can relate to that. So yeah, if you if you if you quit, you already lost it. So you might as well try. <laughs> you can't do any better than already lost it. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that that's very true. You know that the uh, the whole idea of perseverance uh, being more important than any anything else like talent or intelligence it reminds me of a motivational video i saw by uh featuring a weightlifter and he was saying my biggest fear is getting outworked by someone with half the talent no, because yeah because ultimately that's what it comes down to is you know the perseverance yeah that's that's good you know i um i lift weights i've been karate all my life and i uh, DVD workout. Oh yeah. I always say, you know, it's a it's a DVD program. You put in a lot of those uh, uh, DVDs of his, but I always say the hardest part of the workout is to put the disc into the, <laughs> the video player, getting off the sofa, and putting the disc in, and once he starts uh, talking and say, "Let's go," then I'm, you know, then I start exercising and punching, kicking, and lifting weights, but. Getting off the sofa, putting that DVD in there takes some uh, takes some power. Right, it, it takes it takes a bit of uh, mental power there just to to get yourself over that hump. And you're in the movie industry, and that's one definitely where a, a lot of people just give up because the they can't find they can't find the work. Like, how, how have you seen that play out in the movie industry? This idea of perseverance and giving up too soon. Well, I've always had um, side jobs, so um, you, know, yeah, you have to work. That's that's one thing. You just can't yeah. sit around and, you know, so I've always uh, had uh, a side job. But I've never given up. You know, I was always available for movies. So, uh, you know, that's that's the main thing is to, is to keep working. You know, the number one rule and the, the last rule of the James Bond lifestyle is I never run out of cash. So uh, right. maybe some jobs are totally satisfying, but you know, in between uh, dream jobs, uh, you have to have to find work. That's that's the main surviving. And you know, Frank, um, around age twenty six, um, two years after college, I saw all my friends that were interested in movies or in uh, you know, I went to college in the motion picture department. Age mm -hmm. twenty six, I saw them all giving up, and it was because of pressure from parents even at age 26 or girlfriends or wives and i thought wow that's really a danger time so i was you know i was alone pursuing my career and i always in in the book i mentioned 
you know, watch out for age 26. Then just recently, I saw a Ben Franklin quote where um, most men die at age 25 and don't go to the grave till age 80. <laughs> so, uh, so even Ben Fra- Franklin, he, so I only missed it by a year. He said age 25 and I said age 26. So there is some truth to that. So young people uh, beware of age 26. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you think it is about that age, you know, around your mid middle, late twenties? What is it? What is it about that time in life where, people give up? Is it just like a loss of their youthful idealism? What do you think? Yeah, I vividly remember. It's like, uh, you know, oh, a year after college and nothing's happened yet, or two years after college, after college thing, or it could be after high school. Frank, uh, it is really pressure from parents, um, and, you know, girlfriend or wife, mm-hmm. or even, you know, even, uh, you know, male friends for, for men, um, could be female friends for for women. Of course, could also also has helped um, uh, women, but it's peer pressure. You know, I mean, everybody yeah. else at, at the. You know, I, at at eighteen, a lot of guys. I come from a small town, but there was a lot of industry there. A lot of guys went straight to the factories or Dow Chemical or steel mill. And uh, at age 18, I went four years college. That makes me 22. And I had to, the draft, force motion picture department for four years. So I got out at age 26. But other guys had been at the factory from age 18. And they had houses and boats. And so there I am oh, okay. at 26 comparing myself. When, when right. I, I, did, I did my first movie uh, taking a 30-day leave from the Air Force. So I couldn't sell it. I had debt, so I worked at the Dow Chemical for six months. I remember pulling into the, depart- the parking lot. And I, I swear, Frank, there was 30 brand-new Mustang cars. It was all these young <laughs> guys. I've been at the steel mill there, or the Dow Chemical, a long time, and they're all brand-new Mustangs. You know? so wow. They had the cash, but they were they were putting in the work, the hours, for six or, six or eight years. So that that's where the peer pressure comes from. You know, you're out there at 26, starting to trying to make it, and guys have already, uh, you know, uh, friends of yours and friends of your girlfriend or friends of your wife, and already with some boat and cars. That's the pressure. Yeah. So pe- people who have opted for you know one way in life, perhaps the more conventional path it's difficult to fight the gravity of that when you know when you're trying to especially when you're trying to do a freelance kind of life where sometimes it seems like (laughs) destined for failure almost you know it's very difficult to get any traction yeah Uh, and the the problem is you can't you know obviously you can't see your own future you know so right you know but you have to visualize the possible future keep working and every day do one step to that dream you know and it might be just you know you're a writer write a couple of pages in a in a book you're writing or call somebody make a contact yeah i was um, i was six months uh, in san francisco there's a street called montgomery street finances are. six months i walked up and down there looking at this uh, signs and finding uh, venture capital people and going in there and presenting 
and then my script and my photos of the actor that I wanted to use, my, you know, my movie package. And I yeah. uh, couldn't get anything going. And, and then in the yellow pages, there was 125 um, venture capital people listed. And I started calling them up and um, number number 50 said, yeah, let's meet. I think we can do this movie as a tax write-off. And that was my third movie. So there's an idea of perseverance doing something every day. Wow. So you had to go, you had to go through 50 potential, uh, you said it was venture capital, venture capitalists that you went through before you found the one that would fund it. Yeah, about 50. And there was, I just happened to remember 125 listed in the San Francisco Bay area. So I was lucky wow. to, to get around number. Yeah. <laughs> now let's back up a little because I think I heard the, the, the the audio dropped out a little bit, but you said you were in the Air Force and you were in the motion picture division of the Air Force. Did I hear that right? Yeah, that's correct. I was down um, Lompoc, uh, California, near Santa Barbara. And, uh, they have a missile test range where they fire off space launches. And um, uh, I, I photographed that. I made uh, training films. And uh, it was it was. It was great, good education. I can use all the cameras and film I wanted to. And uh, I was lucky to be in California. So, I, yeah, I did that for four years. Wow. I, did, I didn't even realize that the Air Force had a motion picture division. But I guess it makes sense because they have to – there's stuff they've got to film. So, Yeah, everything is uh, documented. Um, they used to have competitions in their – missile launch sites and training um, missile launches there. So yeah. uh, I had a top secret clearance and I used to go film that competition. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. So I was lucky. Uh, had a, I was on the aerial crew too. So I was hanging out of helicopters uh, with oh, a wow. special helicopter mount filming. I can't believe I did that, but I was so excited you know, to be a filmmaker <laughs> and use the, the first aerial mount called Tyler Mount. And there I was hanging out of the helicopter happily filming. Boy, I sure wouldn't do it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you were hanging out of the helicopter. That, I mean, that, that right there is an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I was strapped into this camera mount. But yeah. geez, that's you know, what if that strap of the that was holding the camera <laughs> mount broke or something? I don't I just was so into movies, you know. I don't even <laughs> like heights, but at the time, you know, looking through the camera people say that when they're looking through the camera, the heights doesn't them. Oh yeah. Well I guess, I guess that could be a way to kind of trick yourself into uh not worrying about the heights. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was it. I didn't think of it. It was just wow to use this first uh, camera mount, and was all excited about it. So, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I did for four years, and then I took leave from the Air Force and did my first uh, thirty-five millimeter um, feature film. Wow. So you've been so so that was when you were in your twenties when you did your first feature film. Yeah, that's right. I did, uh, uh, when I was eight years old, I saw the making of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea on Disneyland mm -hmm. television. It showed, you know, the storyboards and the giant squid and the cameras. And I said, that's what I want to do. Can you believe that, Frank? Eight years old. 
then when I got around 15, I started shooting action movies with my dad's eight millimeter camera and syncing up recorder on music and dialogue. Uh, and then, um, Somebody told my father, uh, a cameraman at Dow Chemical, uh, if your son's really interested in movies, he's got to go to 16 millimeter. You know, that's the educational um, gauge. So my dad bought me immediately, bought me a used 16 millimeter camera, and I started filming my action movies and synced up the sound, won a couple of film festivals, a Berkeley Film Festival, won that place. Uh, wow. So I did a, uh, and then and then at San Francisco State University Film Department, I was in, I kept filming action twenty minute, thirty minute action movies using my friends. So uh, it just it was a continuous, um, you know, step. And then the next was feature films and renting the thirty five millimeter technoscope, yeah, camera, widescreen was something. But it, you know, it's interesting, Frank. The, the an eight millimeter the film, you can get five minutes of film and you can buy it for two dollars and develop it for another two dollars. So four minutes for five minutes is four dollars for five minutes of film. As soon as my dad bought me the sixteen millimeter camera, I asked the man, How much is the film? Ten dollars to buy, five dollars to develop, and you only get two two minutes forty five seconds. So that's what oh, I learned. Wow. Movies is all money. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's something people don't realize. You know, now we can pull out our iPhone and film a movie on it. And uh, back when it was on film, you know, film cost money. Every every foot of film uh, was an investment. So you had to be dedicated to it. And then you also had to, I bet you probably also felt like it was really precious. So you had to take your time and really know what, what you wanted to do with the shot before you took it well that's exactly right the film was precious so you had to rehearse and hopefully get it on the first take it's a great time now for filmmakers like you said you know people making feature films using their iphones and they got 4k you know quality yeah and 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 now you can put your your movie on uh, amazon or vimeo and set your price so it's a great time for filmmaking but of course, there's more competition now because everybody has to do it. So you have to have good story and good production value and, uh, and, you know, good camera work. So it's a right. great time for filmmaking. It's the best time for filmmaking. Right. And like, I mean, it's a good point that it's it's easier for anyone to get in, you know, to to produce and to get to like self-distribute. But uh, that means that there's a lot more competition, as you said. So perseverance becomes even more important because at the, at some point it just becomes who who gives up first, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, I made a, a documentary with uh, Jessica Walters, who was in the Play Misty for me. And I asked her, uh, she had many friends that she was roommates with that uh, became famous. Asked her, well, why is that? You know, why did like five of her roommates all become famous? She says, we just kept going and people dropped out. And that was her answer. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty interesting. Oh, it's that simple? You just, just got to keep going? <laughs> so maybe it is yeah. that simple. 
Yeah, well, at that point, it just becomes a numbers game. So whoever is, whoever's the craziest and stays in the longest, you know, that's uh, uh, that'll that'll take you a long way. And while you know, while we're talking about this core, this very core tenet of the whole James Bond lifestyle, obviously, as people are are listening to this, it's it's clearly not just. A, a male thing, the James Bond lifestyle, especially, you know, cause that just kind of stands for these greater things like perseverance, like, like, uh, you know, just keeping at something. Uh, and I bring that up because most of my audience is female, but, uh, I'm sure that they can tell that there's a lot to be gotten out of this program. Even if, you know, even if you are a woman, even if you don't look to James Bond as your role model necessarily. Yeah, there's one review on Amazon from a woman who wanted to be a comedian and she, she thought she couldn't do it, especially a female comedian. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's more competition from men. She said she read the book and she says, well, I can just do it. And and she did <laughs> it. There was a lawyer um, named Sandy Shepard. She read the book and contacted me. And, uh, she was in California, so I could, I could meet her and she wanted to do um, the, the female version. So on Amazon, uh, there is a book called uh, Fem Empowerment: Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl by Sandy mm -hmm. Shepard. It's all mm -hmm. for women. And she has a website as well, but she's a lawyer, but like the James Bond lifestyle so much. Um, uh, she, you know, she wrote the whole book up for, for women. So that's something uh, to, to check out. Empowerment. Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl, Andy Shepard. All right. Very nice. Uh, what One thing I wonder is, well, actually, let me, let me back up. I'll get to that question later. So you were, uh, you were working uh, in the film industry. You were, you were grinding, as they say, you know, getting your work done. And uh, if I seem to recall correctly, you, you mentioned in a comment on that YouTube video I made that the James Bond lifestyle program, the idea for it came out of a difficult time in your career. Is that right? Yes. Um, there, was, there was that perseverance from, you know, age 26 to age 29. And then when I did get that good job in Thailand and made some money and, uh, you know, everything was first class, I directed it. And uh, that's when I said, I want more of this. And, yeah. And um, that's when I got the idea. Oh, James Bond. Now, I, I did it for me, Frank, and uh, started making up rules and and mm -hmm. get a money clip and that kind of thing. And I, like I said, I was taking so many success classes in person and uh, success books. So when I made a movie, um, Omega Cop, had three stars in that. Adam West, who played Batman on television for Donnie. Oh, Cooper. wow. Teenage heartthrob Stuart Whitman. Um, some of the crew started asking me, "How do you, you know, there I'm at age 29. How do you survive as a freelance with no company behind you, without working for a company?" So I yeah. would tell them all these things I learned in success class and write things down, visualization. You, you know, all of all of that. Yeah. And um, and then I would like, oh, I'd forget to tell them something, so I'd call them up and say, you know, really. You know, wanted to give, and I thought, you know, I should get this all down on a ninety-minute cassette. So I went to a professional studio and recorded it. Right then, Amazon had started, where you can put your 
for Tucson Enterprise. So I, got, I started mm-hmm. off with a 90 minute cassette, and um, it even had a hypnosis uh, session on there. Oh, really? 10 minutes. Yeah, that was part of it. We can go to your meditative level and visualize what you want. Number one, you got to, you know, release uh, past fears and uh, clearing the subconscious. That's a whole other subject that's very effective. But I made this 90 minute cassette, but it still wasn't enough. So then I did 220 page book, and it still wasn't enough. So then I did eight CDs, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I expanded, and then in 2015, I did the um, the Kindle Spectre edition. I rewrote the whole thing, and it's the same, you know, it's the same information, but just more expanded. So I did an eight eight hour CDs with sound effects, other voices, dramatizations, um, and um, so it just expanded from there. But uh, to answer your question, the whole thing was to give to other people. I made the course for me, but this way I could just hand them the cassette as a gift. And I've handed out the cassette and paper. I handed out a lot of paper books and even the uh, the eight CD package I handed out to people as gifts. So uh-huh. all the information could be right there instead of me, you know, going through the whole thing. You know, take an hour. Or more to go through all the all the steps for success. So that that's, right. it was a, it was a started off as a giving thing. Well, that's great. So it's like you you just had all these these principles, uh, I guess, that got boiled down to these twenty one principles that uh, were floating around in your head, and you just had to get it out there. It was just this this feeling of needing to share it with everyone. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, I was like four years, and I was always in a nice apartment. But four years, like I said, at age twenty-six, uh, alone, trying to get to the next step, doing side jobs, doing small um, commercials for local companies, and, and um, it was alone, you know. And I was sitting in my uh, apartment reading all these success books. I could go for success. Uh, Classes and there's a there was a couple of radio shows that was all about success. So mm-hmm. I was in my fortress of solitude, like Superman. <laughs> Superman goes to study. Seems like solitude is, um, uh, you know, for a lot of creative people, solitude is a you know important you know important situation. Don't be afraid to be alone and get with your books and study. Now they right. got everything on YouTube for free. There's so many success. You know, Anthony Robbins, there's so many success programs for free now on oh, YouTube. Yeah. Success classes. So, um, uh, you know, so I, I was persevering alone, and that's all I was reading, Frank, success books or biographies of uh, actors, producers, directors, any biographies of the entertainment business. And that's where those techniques I incorporated using James Bond as a symbol of success. And of course, as you, you, you've read in the book, there's uh, other examples of other actors, Sylvester Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use a lot of uh, people's other people's stories besides Bond. James Bond's a fictional character, but a lot of real characters, uh, James Bond lifestyle too. Right. So this time in your life when you were reading all these these books trying to learn 
uh, about success, learning from others by reading their biographies. Is this where uh, number 17 on the list comes from? I'm constantly learning by reading one book a week. Is that, do you think back to that time in your life when you, when you look at this, this point on the, on the James Bond lifestyle? Yeah, and I'm I'm still uh, reading a book a week. And a lot of people say they don't have time. You know, the actor Burt Lancaster actually uh, he said he got through usually got through a book a day. Wow! You know, and Sean Connery himself, when he was getting the Life Achievement Award, American Film Institute, the main thing he said was the only reason I'm quote the only reason I'm here is because I learned to read at the age of three. I'm surgeon of it. Uh, wow. Unquote unquote. So, uh, uh, reading any, any success speech, anybody say, read, read, read. And they don't even, they don't even tell you what to read, say, read. And then cause some people say, well, study the mind, study, you know, success, study high quality things. So now we got, you know, if you're too busy uh, driving into work or uh, I did a lot of long drives so in Los Angeles, which is about six hours. And I always, uh, cassette uh, uh, tapes, uh, success courses on cassette tapes. Now they got audio books for everything, right? You know? And their friend were free on YouTube. It's a wonderful time. One, one way to get your reading audio, of course, holding a paper book alone in your apartment is very powerful. But uh, you know, for driving or doing house chores, uh, audio books are are, are really uh, convenient. Right. And, you know, the way I've even talked about this on my YouTube channel is it's sort of like you need to purposefully brainwash yourself in a way, you know, like you fill your head with all of these principles of success and self-improvement and developing yourself. Um, Because if you don't fill your head with that, other stuff is going to get in there Uh, and it might not be good stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the on the head there. You know, your subconscious mind is very powerful. It's like a computer, uh, you know, you, the, the floppy disk or whatever they call that. Yeah. Whatever you type, whatever you type into the computer, the computer believes. So your 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 mind, your front mind is the keyboard and you have to choose what you type and program into your subconscious. And you got a little door there with a little man and you got to protect any negativity in you know people say well you can't write a book you can't make a movie and it never ends frank um i did my seventh feature film last year called mm-hmm. and uh one of the guys uh they knew a long time would say well you you'll never finish in 15 days and the script's no good and well we've won best <laughs> picture best picture at a recent film festival and uh-huh. uh, it's up to six awards now and got into the New York Film Festival, and here's a guy telling him, well, he's a writer, so <laughs> he was telling me the, the script's no good, no good, but I hired him <laughs> anyway to work on it from film school. But anyway, uh, it never, the, the, the negativity program, uh, programming never never ends, so you got to protect your subconscious mind. If you don't use your subconscious mind, somebody else will, and that's supposed to be 90% of your brain, that's your emotional power. Right. program you know like they they paid michael jackson a million dollars of pepsi well why michael jackson at that time made people excited around the world 
So yeah. they have Michael, the commercial Michael Jackson's dancing, and you're excited, you're emotional. Wow, Michael Jackson. And then they show Pepsi, and a Michael Jackson excitement, Pepsi. So then you're <laughs> out there in the, in the store, Frank, and you're shopping. You're not thinking about Michael Jackson, but you go past the Pepsi cans and you say, oh, I'll get that. It's right. emotional. And you don't even realize it's happening. That's it. And the subconscious works with a picture attached to an emotion. So it's like money. When you see money, do you get negative? Like, I don't have anything. It's hard to get. Oh, you get money. You say, yeah, I'm going to get it. You know? So you have to protect just what what you said. You got to protect yourself from the negativity. So um, if somebody says, hey, you're going to make it with your your dreams, program that, but if somebody says, you'll never make it, you say, delete, just like a computer, erase, don't program. Right, right, exactly. Now, really quick, uh, the audio dropped out a little bit. What's the what's the title of this last movie? It's called Forbidden Power. And, Forbidden uh, it's, Power. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's about a young man who meets a mysterious woman for one night affair and wakes up empowered. He's uh, smarter and he's stronger. And uh, the the idea theme of the movie is, you know, what do you do with that power? Because, you know, power can corrupt. Start off with an Abraham Lincoln quote. Most men can stand adversity, but if you want to see their true character, give them some power, unquote. So power reveals character. And you've seen, you know, you know, people that became a boss and they can't handle it. They, they, their, their bad personality comes out suddenly then some people they get power and a good personality power reveals so that's my movie forbidden power it's on uh, it's on amazon you just search forbidden power on the internet comes up right, All right. people can see the trailer yeah. just by searching forbidden power yeah actually i i checked out the trailer uh it, it looks really cool there are some cool fight scenes in the trailer uh looks very good uh I want to switch a little bit. I mean, you you mentioned attitude towards money, and of course, the first and the last point of the the twenty one points of the James Bond lifestyle are I never run out of cash. And for me, when I first read that, I just thought it meant you know I make sure I go to the ATM so I have you know sixty bucks in my pocket. But you had you know you you broadened it earlier when you were talking about. Uh, you know, following your your dreams in the movie industry and taking all these side jobs because you gotta have money. You can't just not have money. Um, and I I wonder what it what it was that made you decide to put it on there twice, and what exactly like the full meaning of of I never run out of cash is. I put it on twice because it's, it's so powerful. I mean, I've been I've been with zero cash credit a couple of times uh, years back and it's very uncomfortable yeah. and uh, you know um, you can't do anything and then they, they, they turn the phone off and you know you can't fix your car it's uh, it gets pretty bad so the idea of yeah never run out of cash and I echo it through there I have enough cash and credit to operate Oh right, yeah. I, the, the, which so, uh, let me see, let me find it here. It's uh, uh, it's, <laughs> there's it's only twenty one, and I can't uh, find see. it. Um, 
operate a fed oh here's yeah, number seven number Rem- seven number seven i carry enough cash and credit to operate efficiently when you run out of cash you just can't operate you, you can't true. move forward and and uh, you can't go after opportunities you may have a meeting business meeting and they will you know for lunch and you don't have the lunch money and no. right. so. <laughs> right and you know a lot like you mentioned a lot of people have a really bad uh orientation towards money like they think that it's bad or that it, you know or that or they convince themselves that they will never have it you know? yeah yeah that's that's right um one of the uh rules of uh, getting what you want is uh, number one, does it exist? I mean, people say, you know, hey, I want to live on Mars. Well, that doesn't exist. But what <laughs> you want to exist? Can you uh, can you see yourself there? I mean, there might be a big house that you want, but you just vision visualize yourself there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, can your subconscious accept it or believe it? Can you really believe it? So mm-hmm. that's like three three steps of um you know what you want so there's a lot of negative money beliefs you know that the rich are not happy you know dirty and there's a lot of limited limitations of belief so um you have to overcome those you know somebody has to wants to pay the bill for like lunch or a service they say okay what's the damage Right. <laughs> it's like you got to right. just, you know, there, I mean, there's an expression you don't even think about. What's the damage? Oh, I'm damaged because I got to pay a, you know, $20 check or something. Right. You yeah. know, so you have to um, start getting a good relationship with money. You know, money flows to me. There's lots of affirmations, um, you know, that you can do on, on YouTube. There's a lot of money programming with uh, music and images of money um, and gold. Houses and cars and, and the right, right. So it's you know it's basically uh, visualizing. And what what do they call that? An image board where you where you are, are able to actually see. You have pictures of what it is you're going after in like the physical world. Yeah, that's right. Those uh, vision boards, I think they're called. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can cut out things from the magazine and and even the fact that you're cutting out pictures of things you want and cars and houses and cash just the fact that you're cutting them out but once again this leaves anything that you you know put in front of it so just the fact of making your board they have them on the internet now you can mm-hmm. you can sign in for free and make your own vision board basically it's a vision you make a vision movie and you you put various pictures and you can choose your music and then you make it any length you want and then you watch it. I've done that in the past when I first started. So vision boards, yeah, very powerful. The photos and pictures you put up in your room that you right. see every day. A lot of people put the James Bond lifestyle list on their refrigerator, you know, or put photos in power because you go to the refrigerator often. And yeah. uh, uh, so that's a powerful thing. You know, a refrigerator holds food, which is energy. Oh, so, that's uh, a good you know, point. Money, Frank, is a, it's a symbol of energy. You know, you, right. you work for somebody, and in the old days, it used to be the barter system, and they they pay you with eggs or chickens. Yeah. But now, you know, you don't. When you take a taxi, you can't give the guy eggs and chickens, so you give him a symbol of eggs and chickens, which is 
printed cash. So it's uh, money is energy. Right, right. That is, that is a really good way of looking at it. And, you know, going back to, uh, you mentioned people who printed out the, the 21 points of the James Bond lifestyle. I did that, actually. When I first found the James Bond lifestyle 10 or 15 years ago, you know, high schooler, Frank, uh, I, I printed it out and I had it in my room so I could look over it because I just, I was, I, I just found it, it struck a chord within me because I, I just found the points to be, uh, I, I don't know, very freeing to be able to, to pattern yourself off of James Bond. And specifically, one that actually really jumped out to me relating to money still is, uh, I'm not afraid to pay for what I want, number 10. Because I think I had always had kind of a negative uh, attitude towards money where it's sort of like really not wanting to spend money, you know? And I still don't like to spend money. uh, But I I actually think seeing this point all those years ago on this list kind of made me realize, oh, yeah, if if I want something, I shouldn't be afraid to spend the money to get it. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful one, and um, so you know, I, I made this list back in when I first started with my set. I did it at one sitting, and I ended up with twenty one. It's things I'd heard, uh, like the the one rule you like: uh, everybody I meet, they're off for the experience. Right. Uh, a salesman friend of mine happened to say that, and I thought, oh, that's nice. So just things I heard and things, uh, you know, that I read or things I believed, and I made that list, even though the book expanded over the years, and um, I've never changed the list. So uh, uh, that's that's interesting that I, did, I was satisfied and stuck with that list, and the, the idea of paying what, for what you want, Here, here's a little trick I always say, just don't pay for your, don't pay for what you don't want. You know, <laughs> people will talk you into a trip, and you think you want it, but you didn't really want to go. Or you talk yeah, to a product, or you see a product advertised, and you might for the moment think you want it, but you really don't need it. Don't pay for what you don't want. <laughs> you can have a lot right. more money to pay for what you do want. Right. Well, that's good. I think we've all found ourselves in a position where we've just handed over some money and been like, I didn't even really want that. Why did I, why am I paying for this? You know? Yeah. And sometimes it's a, it's a trip with friends, you know, and, um, could be a short trip or something. And well, geez, I didn't want to do this tonight. You know, I wanted to stay home and study and work on my, work on my goals. You know, Why did I, you know, pay money to come to this event and waiting to go home so you gotta you know as you as you mature you start making better choices on on your time and money and you have a lot more left over for making better choices right right exactly you know one rule that i have uh kind of used when it comes to do i really want to to spend the money on this or not is if it's like a somewhat bigger purchase uh, I used to I used to say anything over fifty dollars, but now I think it's more like over two hundred. I wait, you know, a while. I'll wait at least forty eight hours before I actually buy it to make sure I really want this, and it's not just this initial uh, impulse. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very good. And I, I had kind of a comedy idea. Somebody would say, "Well, do I need this bigger computer, or do I need this phone?" You know when. Phones were just coming in. 
I don't know if I need it. And I said, well, if you don't know, just wait until you run out of your house and you stand in the middle of the street and scream, I got to have that cell phone right now, then get it. <laughs> so I remember my buddy says, well, I haven't gotten to that point yet. That's, that's, that's a good test. Like you said, Frank, wait, hesitate and wait. But when you scream like, boy, I gotta, you know, I gotta get this cell phone because, um, you know, everybody I'm meeting is asking me for, you know, the, the message, you know, what's the message thing or line, you know, this guy that, you know, yeah. is, is in my, is in, I might be doing business with, he needs line, he, he uses line or whatever technology. That's the time you got to get it. Right, right. When you actually, when you feel like there's actually the the demand for it, and not just the whim that that passes through your head. Yeah, that's right, boy. Electronics. Uh, you know, you go you go to those electronic shops, and there's so many wonderful products, and you say, "Wow, now I know why guys spend uh, you know ten thousand dollars on a system oh, yeah. and a you know and a recording system or you know." kinds of gadgets are just wonderful but you don't really you don't really need them yourself but it, you go through those electronic shops and you know james bond is about gadgets and um, you know those they're, they're very attractive speaking of gadgets right. i found the two most powerful gadgets is the calendar set a date for your goals because without a date nothing someday i'll do it someday you set a date the other uh, powerful gadget is the calculator you add up a budget so if you if you want to uh, go on a special trip with some friends and set a date or or any any project set the date when it's going to happen and you make up the budget using the the, cal- the calculator so get that calendar now there's calendars of course on all the cell phones but i like to use a, yeah a big um paper uh, real calendar with uh, you know, like squares for every day that I can uh, plan things in advance and hold it the pen and, and mark it. Uh, so I think a physical calendar is um, you know, very powerful. Of course, we use a calendar on our phones. And, uh, and on our phones are also calculators, but you've got to make a budget. You know, so your, your buddies are going to go to Vegas and you really want to go with them or you want to take your friend to Disneyland or whatever the goal is and you make a, you make a budget. And um, of how much it's going to cost, and um, set the date, and then you work hard, uh, adding up all the your cash that you have and your credit that you have, and make that trip possible. Right, and so actually, this is something that's on the the bondlife.com website. You have uh, a sheet where you can actually plan out your budget for a trip and and plan out the calendar for it and and how you're going to get there and everything. And basically what you're talking about is taking an idea and putting it into physical reality. Now, Paul, I don't know how much you've checked out my YouTube channel, but what, what I talk about a lot over there is uh, personality typology, like Myers-Briggs. And so one of the the two big dichotomies there are some people are intuitive and some people are sensors. And my audience is full of a lot of intuitives, which means they basically spend a lot of their time in their imagination, you know? And so what you're describing is very important for my audience, I think, because 
sometimes we struggle as intuitives to actually put something into the physical world and make it an actual reality, you know, instead of just thinking about it. So I think this is actually, maybe this is why this whole James Bond lifestyle appealed to me so much because it was preaching to my demons. It was, you know, telling me the things that I needed to improve on, which is make taking ideas and making them reality. I think that's what's great about the the two gadgets you mentioned, the calendar and the calculator. Yeah, you know, the your lifestyle, it starts mentally, as you said, it starts in your mind and then it it spreads out to your apartment, making it nice, clean, livable, yeah. spreads out to your car, your place of work, your desk, your office, wherever your place of work is. And then a, a big technique is you know, everybody talks about, oh, I wish I had a second home in Las Vegas or or someplace. Take, yeah. This is a big thing I learned from success classes. Take mental possession of all your favorite hotels where you like to go. Um, you know, yeah, owning a second house is great. Renting, and if it's yours when you go there, you know, a, a second house is great, but when you, go, when you go there, you carry a cardboard box of cleaning supplies and you got to clean and set the place up. Maybe there's right. a broken window you got to fix. But uh, you go to a hotel, you know, and uh, they got all the, the towels and soap and everything waiting for you. So you take mental possession. And women have an easier time with this. Men are into this ownership. I got to own it, own it. But women say, oh, yeah, mental possession of hotels. You just walk in and there's nothing to clean and, you know, it's all ready for you. And if the windows crack, you just call them up and you get another room, <laughs> you know, so right. taking mental possession. I mean, you don't often are you going to use a boat that you buy but you can rent a boat or even a bigger boat with a with a driver uh, anytime you want you don't have to pay for the so taking mental possession uh, you know that's a that's a big step so as you say it starts mentally and you bring that that's why writing things down is so powerful go from yeah. the mental world to the physical world by writing it down, paper and ink, you know, and all of a sudden it's, um, it's, uh, physical, your goals, and you can actually see it on paper and ink. It's the first step. Now, the, right. the movie right. Limitless, uh, uh, starring Bradley Cooper is about a guy who gets empowered uh, with a pill. And the first thing he does is clean up his apartment. Mm-hmm. The James Bond lifestyle guy says, uh, Oh, that movie Limitless is the James Bond lifestyle. Because when he's empowered <laughs> mentally, he cleans up his apartment, he starts exercising, he upgrades clothes, he gets a haircut, he starts exercising, he listens to audio uh, books uh, for language uh-huh. while he's running. And um, this whole, and he counts out his money, he counts out his cash, so he's got this whole montage of the James Bond lifestyle. The guy's life together that's limitless with right. bradley cooper that'll empower people if they see it that'll be one that i have to check out i haven't actually seen that one a lot of the points of the of the james bond lifestyle are about these kind of simple things about getting your life together like uh number three like my base of operations is always clean and organized so just getting your apartment straight uh, or even number five is interesting. This is one of the ones that also jumped out to me uh, when I first saw this all those years ago. I dress up even at home alone. 
So what is like, it's definitely about a connection between your physical reality and your mental state. Wouldn't you say so? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, a clothes, uh, you know, whether you have, even if you have, you have a hole in your sock, you know, maybe you don't know it or don't feel it, but when you put it on, you see that hole, you mentally know there's a hole in the sock and there's right. a subconscious. So dressing up, no, you know, and, and then, and then, you know, dressing up just means that it doesn't mean you're, you're wearing a tuxedo or a coat and tie, but it just means you're <laughs> ready for if somebody knocks on your door or you feel, you feel good. Now it could be just a nice, clean, well-fitting t-shirt, you know, yeah. and, and, and nice fitting, uh, jeans. But, uh, like when I do an interview now, or when I really got it to some point, I gotta make the next thing happen. I gotta get over the hump here, or, you know, I haven't had a job in a while or I gotta, Get to the next level. Hey, put on your your good slacks and your dress shirt, and uh, get your calendar. You know, dress up and start working your calendar, and listen to a success video uh, on YouTube, and uh, you know, start going for it. So dressing up—that's what I meant by dressing up. So when you really want to go for it, dress up and um, comb your hair and. Put your money clip right. in your pocket, and if you got a gold coin, put that in your pocket. Start working your calendar, make your phone calls, and uh, take action. Because it's not so much about you know uh, dressing up is not so much about uh, like impressing others. It seems like it's all about the the mental uh, effect it has on you when you feel like oh I look good. It's like it's the same thing as standing up straight and uh, you know looking confident. Yeah, it's all about yourself. The James Bond lifestyle has nothing to do with uh, impressing others or competing with others. In fact, an mm-hmm. old old book, uh, uh, the science of the science of Beco- uh, becoming rich by uh, Mister Waddles. He said you have to change from the competitive mind creative mind that's how walt disney Mm -hmm. competed he competed by being creative if you compete with somebody you stay on their level or you stay in Ah. their subject got to be creative not competitive so like disney he has the imagineers they imagine Mm -hmm. projects he doesn't have the competitors so james (laughs) bond lifestyle is about never about competing or pressing others or bragging Say to you know you carry a wallet with lots of cash in your credit cards, but you also carry a money clip in your pocket, uh, and you put a hundred dollar bill on the, on the outside of all your other bills. This is not to impress anybody. You don't even flash it; nobody else sees it. But you know yeah. subconsciously there's a hundred dollar bill on the outside. When you pull it out and you ask it to get your smaller bills to pay for something, your subconscious sees that. And I like to keep a hundred dollar. In the in the middle of the last bill, so subconsciously I know when I run out of cash. That last bill is also a hundred dollars. So uh, you're right. This is this is about programming yourself, not bragging, not showing off at all. Right. That is that is a really interesting thing that I think I've got to try out. Maybe maybe not when I go through the rougher parts of town, but uh, <laughs> you know, in general, to to pull out your money clip and look at it and see a hundred dollar bill every time, and especially if you know that there's two in there, that would start to condition you to feel like 
It's it's the whole uh, what do they call it? Uh, scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. When you when you look at your wallet and you see a bunch of money in there, even if you even if you know your bank account maybe doesn't have that much, if you are seeing this hundred dollar bill every time, it's going to start to condition you to feel like there's more abundance than scarcity. Yeah, that's right. And you know, uh, one of my tricks was uh, when Starbucks started up to get a Starbucks card. You know, having money there. So even when you're, when you're out of cash, you know that every Starbucks you pass, you can go in there and get some <laughs> food and a drink. So I like always like to have money on my Starbucks card. Well, you know, Michael Todd was the producer of Around the World in 80 Days. Mm-hmm. He was part of Cinerama. He invented the audio um, photographic system. He was married to Liz Taylor, but uh, and he was a, a show producer but he said i've been broke many times but i've never been poor because ah. state of mind broke means you don't have any money frank i've been broke many times but i always had a nice apartment nice part of right. town so if my car was broke uh you know and i couldn't get out didn't have cash i always had a nice comfortable apartment and uh, usually where i could walk to always where i could walk to move walk to the store and um, so I've been broke many times, but um, never poor. That that is a great thing to keep in mind because I know my you know my audience has all kinds of people in it, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people in my audience who are thinking of themselves as being poor right now, and maybe that's that's just the thing to do is to turn it around. I mean, even I think, oh man, I'm <laughs> I'm barely making it. I'm poor. But uh, if you turn it around, just say, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm between money right now. I'm just hard up on cash right now, but I'm not poor. That's a great way of turning it around so that you're not, uh, you're not feeding negative energy into that situation and making it more difficult to rectify. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I heard yeah, uh, one, George Hamilton came on the Merv Griffin show a long time ago and he Merv said, you're really rich, aren't you, George? And he says, well, wealth is a state of mind, isn't it? It was the first thing I got at a young age um, to, um, you know, about wealth being a state of mind. Uh, Later in George Hamilton's book, I read when he was a young actor, he had to play the part of a rich man in the movie. The director said, well, uh, George asked the, the director, how do I act rich? And the directors told him, go to the bank, pull out $5,000 in cash and put it in your pocket, which he did. And he never pulled it out in the movie. But when he was acting, he always knew he had that $5,000 in his pocket. So there's right. the empowerment of uh, having some ready cash. People are afraid right. to carry cash sometimes right? because uh, they think they're going to lose it. You know, oh, yeah. you know, you don't lose your watch. You don't lose your wallet. Uh, why do you think you're going to lose it? You don't lose your credit cards usually. So, uh, uh, you know, but people have this fear of, oh, if I have cash, I'll spend it or I'll lose it or I'll gamble it. Somebody said, oh, yeah. somebody said never go to the, the supermarket hungry because you'll buy right. all this food you don't need. Well, well, you have a stronger mind than, you know, go to the, you know, go to the, the supermarket hungry, but still buy what you want to buy. You know, so you, you have enough mental power to avoid buying something right. because you're hungry. So those are some of the tricks, you know. 
Yeah. I, overall, I mean, this is kind of speaking to one of the other things I think in general that really drew me to uh, the James Bond lifestyle is this idea of kind of stepping into this character, stepping into this persona of James Bond, even if it's not exactly like the the character in the movies, but this idea, all the all the the abstract things that he can represent, stepping out of yourself for a minute and into those shoes and uh, you know, kind of building yourself up by by just trying out uh, different aspects, a different persona, putting on a different mask. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's right. It's interesting you use the word mask. Um, I think the Greek word is persona. That's where we get the word personality. So mm-hmm. the the um, uh, your personality is the mask you put over your individuality. And it's very important to know the personality is made up of the body the mind and the spirit, uh, excuse me, the body, mind, feelings, the emotion. Mm-hmm. So you are yeah. not your body because you can control it and up and down. You are not your your uh, mind because you can control what you think. Think about a red house, think about an elephant, and you're not your feelings. And so, some people say, well, I'm a hothead. I can't control my feelings. If you put a hundred dollar bill in front of him and say, "For five minutes, I'm going to insult you," and if you don't get angry, hundred dollars. Oh, they can do it. Can yell at him. They'll say, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah," and then they'll take the hundred dollars. So you can control your feelings, and that's the hardest to control. So your individuality is perfect, but your your personality, the mask, as you said, um, body, mind, and feelings, is not perfect. But when we're a child, you know, we try first. We got to control our body, and then it's mentally, and then we have. As we get older, we have to control our emotions. By controlling your emotions, it doesn't mean you become an unfeeling person. It means you can feel what you want to feel when you want to feel it. And that's what James Bond does. You know, he gets into a uh, you know dangerous situation, and he doesn't let fear and doubt stop him from that mission. Anytime you have a mission, Frank, even, you know, taking your wife or girlfriend or family on a trip that might be money, there's doubt and fear that you can't pull yeah. it off or writing a book or making a movie or whatever your dream is, doubt will come in. That's natural. That's human. Based on great fear, I financed this, my new movie, Forbidden Power, all by myself. And, you know, fear and doubt comes in, but because of all my training, I knew how to... Uh, deal with those fear, fears and doubts and uh, take control. It's interesting. I had a dream. I was trying to decide, am I going to spend all this uh, money? You know, to make, and it was a movie I really wanted to do. It wasn't just a movie. Yeah. I'd already written a novel on it. It wasn't enough. I had to make a movie. And I had a dream. My mother says, Paul, do not make Forbidden Planet. And I said, Mom, my movie is not Forbidden movie is forbidden power and i went into the next room in my dream my father was there and he said you hear what your mother said and <laughs> i woke up and i thought wow that's a strange dream but i realized it was yeah. a false dream because my parents always supported projects and, and um, encouraged me and so it was mm-hmm. a false dream it was just my subconscious fears playing out while i was dreaming while i was asleep 
but I had I had real life doubts and fears, uh, risk because the risk of you know making a movie is not finishing the movie. You run out of money, and that's right. a real fear. And you know, if an actor gets sick, I had a I had a seventeen day budget. It was a very ambitious movie. 17 day budget if an actor gets sick or hurt or if it rains i i got in seattle i found out when there was the least rain august 17 i remember so yeah. uh, the, the making any project any movie there's that fear and doubt frank and, and people might laugh at you and say you're crazy for doing that or you know and there's lots of examples you know disney they told disney it was crazy nobody will sit down and watch 80-minute feature-length animated film, Snow White. Everybody right. in the industry told them you'll get a headache watching 80 minutes of animation. <laughs> it's a big success. So anytime there's going to be people, or people are going to be jealous, they don't want you to leave. You know, one guy, one I never forget this one success guy, um, very positive, but he says, you know, people will tell you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Come over here and be losers with us. <laughs> so, it's kind of a funny negative thing to call these unknown people losers. But, um, you know, there is that situation. Hey, come to the bar and drink with us. Don't take that class. Don't date that girl. Come to the come to the bar, you know. Right, yeah. So anytime you take a, a step your dream, there is a time of being alone. But as you move forward in your dream, you're going to meet uh, people that have the same dream and will help you out. That's what the book uh, John Livingston Siegel is all about. He Siegel wanted to fly a different way, and people, all oh, the other Siegels said you're crazy. So he thought, okay, I'll just be alone and fly to another altitude. And and then he found other other birds saying, yeah, we we fly like this all the time. But there is an alone feeling, and many success uh, teachers will tell you that, and I know that for sure. It's like you're all alone. Yeah, I've got to try this thing all alone. Everybody else is working at the steel mill, you know. Right. Wow. That is, man. There's so much stuff there that I wanted to uh, respond to. The the uh, yeah, the loneliness factor is very true because oh, especially when you're working towards your dreams, a lot of it's just a lot of work that requires you to be isolated you know uh, just in a in the the actual concrete sense of being alone you know um and going back to the control of emotions and how bond does that when he feels afraid what really opened that up for me is reading the book casino royale i don't know if you've ever read any of the books paul have you uh let's see was that that was the first book uh yeah, the very first yeah, one. I, did. I, I heard that on audio. Yeah, and I, I've read uh, on paper Dr. No, the first three. Uh, right, right. Love Goldfinger. And then uh, fairly recently, I was curious about Casino Royale, and uh, I, I listened to the audio of that. Yeah, very powerful, the first book. Yeah, because when you're watching the movie, you know, like in, in the, the Daniel Craig Casino Royale movie, the, there's the scene where he's getting tortured and he's like strapped to a chair and there and he's like stripped down and they're hitting him with a rope. Um, and in the movie, you know, you you don't hear a voiceover of his thoughts or anything. You can tell obviously he's in pain, but he's you know he's just being bond. He's being cool and collected. But when you read the book, you're inside his mind, and uh, 
it's like all of the whole book is you you see how afraid he is all the time and how he's like fighting down panic um but in to the exterior world he's totally cool and collected he has total control over his emotions so it's really eye-opening to read the book at least casino royale that's i've read that and diamonds are forever but i think casino royale is better um to to get that that uh, demonstration of keeping the emotions under control and not letting them run you and become you. Well said. That's right on point. Yeah, I've, I've never forgotten that book since I since I read it. That was very very powerful. It really opened up the character because James Bond as a character can seem a little, you know, a little flat because he just seems he seems so cool. He's like disaffected. Uh, or unaffected by by everything, but uh, when you get into his mind, you see that he is actually, uh, you know, really, really of of strong character when it comes to keeping uh, his emotions under control. It's not that he doesn't have emotions, like you said. It's not like he's a robot. Yeah, there's a quote. I think it's from Nietzsche, but I heard it on the movie Wall Street. And then the man said. Um, Somebody stares into the abyss, into the dark hole, and there's nobody looking back. It means there's nobody to help you. Mm-hmm. That's when a man or a woman gets their character, and it's their character that keeps them out of the abyss. Quote. And you mentioned character. That's why that comes to mind. You get it, it, character, strength of strength of personality, control over your mask, your body, mind, and feelings, and. Um, and character you develop and that keeps you out of the uh out of the abyss so when when you're facing a lot of bills and and a few opportunities from front of you that's when that's when you get your character and it's the character that'll get you over the hurdles right because it you know because it's so easy to feel like you want to just go with this feeling you want to just succumb to it if you're going through a tough time like that and you feel you know you're feeling afraid or if you're trying to do something you feel you're trying to accomplish some big goal and you feel like it's impossible it can feel really good to give up because it's just such a big relief you know frank i'm laughing because i was just made a point in my mind to tell you this story it feels good to give up (laughs) my friends at age 26 they're all they all gave up you know and yeah. uh, a lot of people around me and i thought i thought why did they do that and i was i was walking in the pier 39 on san francisco in san francisco and they had this magic shop egg shop and in front of the window was a sign and it was supposed to be a joke sign and i remember walking past and reading it and it said quote i feel so good now that i've given up all hope unquote. And I thought about that. You know, when you have hope of accomplishing something, there's disappointment, there's delays, there's, you feel bad. It's like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying. And if somebody gives up, oh, that's great. I gave up. Now I can just relax and watch television. And you right. hear it, Frank, it feels, yeah, the joke, it feels so good now that I've given up all hope. One of my, one of my right. friends said he did feel good. He says, oh, you know, and then he started getting relaxed and comfortable. And then his wife said, but what happened to all your dreams? 
So right. I said, yeah, I got married. I was just getting comfortable. My wife said, but what happened to all your dreams? So you do, you do uh, feel good, I guess. I, I've never, I've never thought of it. Movies are so important to me. I'm movie crazy. I, I yeah. you know, if I was to give up, I would cease to exist, you know? So I always knew that direction. But um, yeah, that's why people give up because that hope, it's frustrating when there's delays or you got a business meeting, the guy's going to finance your picture and he says, well, we got to delay it. A, you know, we gotta delay it a oh my God. You know, so, um, yeah. yeah. There's, there's that disappointment. I mean, failure is going to come, delays are going to come. Um, but, and you have to work through that using your, using your, um, your character on your perseverance. Yeah. And, and if you have that side job, you know, it's going to help you. Yeah, that's true. You know, the, that's the thing is if you have, if you have these side gigs and money isn't an issue or is not, you're not desperate for money from, uh, you know, these, these freelance gigs or whatever you're working for, whatever your passion is. It's good to have, you know, a day job or those side jobs so that cash isn't uh, a worry. But uh, I, I have, I, my background is in theater. And so I know a lot of actors and I've talked to some of them who are like really frustrated because they just can't get in work. They can't get any work. And uh, they, they're, they're very disappointed all the time. And I bet that they would feel better in the short term if they just quit. But, you know, I've talked to some of them. Uh, one friend in particular was like, you know, I, wa- I wonder what it's like to just go home at the end of the day and feel okay about, you know, cracking open a beer and watching TV the rest of the night because I can't do that. I have to constantly be working toward my goal. Yeah, you know, that's, the, that's the fire in the belly that a lot of people, you know, have. They, they just can't give up. This one particular friend I, I talked about, it was age 26, and I, he'd got another job, a full-time job, and he gave up. And I met him at hamburger shop, and we were just talking. And then he said, well, how can you keep going? You know, I never thought about quitting. How can you keep going? I couldn't even answer because I never thought about quitting. And, um, and that idea, and now that I think back, you know, age 26 is too young to give up. Yeah, age 36 is too young to give up and age 46 well by that time you might as well keep going if you survive to 46 yeah <laughs> and making projects so, along the way and having successes yeah. uh then you that's you know then keep going after that age <laughs> so any age is too is too late uh, too soon to give up right plus i you know i think that uh, you tell me if you agree with this paul but it seems to me that there are I've talked about this before in earlier podcasts that there are some people who think they have a dream, you know, and I think these are a lot of times the people who give up, but they do, it's not actually their dream. It's not actually what they want. And they follow something for a while thinking it's going to give them happiness. But maybe for some people it does, you know, give them more happiness to give up find another thing to do, which kind of brings me to one of the points on here. Uh, Where is it? Uh, Number nine on the James Bond lifestyle. I never give up, but I can change direction. Maybe one, maybe one dream turns out to not be quite right for you, but that doesn't mean you're giving up. 
uh, yeah, you know, uh, many the James Bond lifestyle. I mean, you know, it's not for, it's not for everybody. Freelance is not for everybody. I mean, Anthony Robbins will tell you that, and it's fine yeah. uh, a regular uh, career job that you feel comfortable in, and you enjoy your time off, and you take your trips. A vacation is wonderful, you know. You I mean you go on? Oh yeah, you go on a vacation and you come back and bills. You know, you know I mean, you got to check to pay, to pay your credit cards. Pay right. vacation is wonderful. So, I mean, you can live the James Bond lifestyle while still going to your regular job. You know, this it just means, uh, you know, your vacations, your time off, and what you do with your time. We have a lot of time off. You know, forty hour work work week, and you got nights and and weekends, and um, so uh, you know, you can work a you can work a regular job and still live the James Bond lifestyle. A lot a lot of my guys, uh, you know, fans do. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's a lot of people don't realize you can be entrepreneurial in a sense without necessarily creating your own business or anything. You can work a day job, a nine to five, and it's all about the mentality of of the lifestyle you're building. I think. Well, sure, I, I don't know if you. It, yeah, it sure is. It's all it's all mental, and uh, to bring in that excitement. Uh, you know, when, when you want to, you know, trips and, and like I said, uh, you know, you can rent that boat, you can rent that yacht, you know, rent, right. rent the, the, the hotels, you know, you don't need a, you know, Lake Tahoe, everybody wants to have a house in Lake Tahoe. Well, these, you go <laughs> check into Caesar's palace. It's wonderful. So instead of spending uh, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 on a second home, you know, check into Caesar's palace for, um, 150 or 200 dollars a night you know it's interesting my uh, um, i have that in the book where my, my my parents used to go to lake tahoe and right on the state line there was this old motel it was nice enough very you know country mountain style uh, motel for uh -huh. 20 bucks a night and um i stayed there with them and then finally i i just you know said well we got it we got to cross the then we just walk across the line there and go into the casinos for gambling and eating and all the other casinos and the entertainment. And Caesar's Palace, that was that was $150 a night as opposed to $40. At some point, I wanted my parents to come down the elevator right into the casino and not walk this uh, three minutes in the dark to coming back at 10 o'clock or midnight. And indeed, mm -hmm. uh, the, my parents' friends uh, were robbed. In that same barrier, the same area. But my point is, when we went to Caesar's Palace at $150 a night, they gave us a player's card. I mean, we gambled there anyway. And then because we had the player's card twice a year, they'd send us um, letters hey, come on the weekday and you get free room. So we went from yeah. $40 old motel to free Caesar's Palace. <laughs> <laughs> And, wow. and we wanted to go there on weekdays because that's when it wasn't crowded. So we would drive up on weekdays. So there's, uh, there's a, you know, when you upgrade, sometimes it's cheaper to upgrade. That was, that was very right. exciting. We gambled there anyway with the player's card. And uh, they were always, you know, looking to get people to drive up there. So we went, so we get two nights free at Caesar's Palace. So, so that I mean, that would be an example, I think, of not being afraid to pay for what you want, because a lot of people would see the price tag and be like, "Oh man, uh, let's just stay at the the uh, one star motel and save some money." But in the end, 
it was ultimately a, a better decision to go with the the more expensive option. Yeah, yeah. In this case, it was. You know, and then you know how often you have to ask yourself on something you might pay money for. You know, how often do you do this event? How often do you go to out uh, twice a year than a day? You know, if you go every week, and then you got to get a cheaper you know motel. Right. If you're only going twice a year. Two, two nights a uh, time, it's, it's okay to spend that, you know, 150 bucks. Uh, especially right. when safety, when safety, it got to a point of safety, Frank, where, you know, we're, we're coming back. And, and sometimes I, uh, my parents would go back at 10 o'clock and I'd, I'd be there till midnight. I'd come back and, you know, there's pine trees and everything on a small road, especially where Robert could come out and rob you and run back. You know, you're getting robbed is one thing, but, but you're, you're, safety and health is concerned if that robber gets a little too excited you know so it got to a point of uh, of safety and indeed like i said my parents friends were robbed in that very area walking back to that very motel so um, that's why i decided to do that yeah well it, it was understandable especially when you don't have the uh you know the standard issue pistol that james bond has it's a little, yeah. a little yeah. more difficult yeah, and we're backtracking a little bit to, you know, we're talking about living the James Bond lifestyle, even if you're just going with a day job. The James Bond wasn't a freelancer. He's a government employee. So in some ways, you know, that's the, uh, he's living the James Bond lifestyle, even though he's got a steady paycheck. That's it. I point that out in the book. He's a government employee. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. And, um, uh, People talk about, oh, are they? Oh, my boss is really bad. No, I get all my boss. Well, you look at James Bond, that macho guy. When he goes into M's office, he's very respectful, and M sometimes chews him out, even when it's played by a woman. Uh, yeah, chews him out. Bond has to say uh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, because it's the boss that pays his right. and 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 assigns him the missions that he wants. And that's helped a lot of my uh, followers. They said, geez, when I read that and my, now my boss gets angry, I realized, yeah, even James Bond has to, uh, you know, respect his boss so he can get commissions and get his paycheck. Right. And sometimes it's just a matter of that perspective of real, because when it's just you in your own life, you think to yourself, oh man, my life is terrible. Look at me. I'm this little old employee who's getting you know, browbeaten by my boss, but then you see someone you really respect and you know has it together, someone you look up to and they're going through the same stuff. It's a very uh, enlightening thing because all of a sudden you realize, oh, this doesn't reflect on my worth or value as a human being. You know, it's just stuff that people go through. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly right. And um, I had a successful filmmaker friend who went out after the Air Force, and he opened, started up his own company in Colorado. And and I thought, oh, that guy's got it made. He's got his own company. And and then yeah. uh, I went to work. Um, he got me a job for a couple of days, and I flew out there. And he was telling me he's always trying to, you know, to get enough money to pay the monthly salaries of his. I think he had five employees and he's going through all kinds of problems and i told him geez i thought i was the only one who was suffering in the film business (laughs) 
you know, I thought, you know, and he says, no, it's, it's always a, it's always a grind. And that, that really opened my eyes up and made my, um, made me a little more comfortable. You know, Hey, everybody's is grinding it out, you know? So, um, you're, you're right. When you see other people are in the same situation, uh, you're not alone. That's why books are so good, Frank, because, um, remember, uh, the first, first book success book i i got a my, my movie my first movie failed when i was trying to get my second movie and in debt and i walked down to the bookstore and at my feet was this yellow book that said uh, the million dollar secret hidden in your mind by anthony norvell and in that hmm. book he said um you know you start reading other books because you get friends in high places you know, so you get, you know, I read um, like Ray Kroc. I mean, he wasn't successful till age 53, you know, he invented McDonald's. There's a movie out on it now. Um, yeah. You know, so you get friends in high places. You get the thoughts of executives and, you know, power people. You know, where you, right. make, you don't get to meet them in real life, but uh, you can see what their thought process is and their success process is. Right, you get like a it's a peek backstage, look behind the curtain and see what actually went into this this polished image that we see. Uh, it's because it's, it's never an overnight success for anybody. No, it's not really handed to anybody without a bunch of trials. You know? Yeah, exactly. There's yeah, there's never overnight uh, success. Rarely, rarely happens. You got to put in your put in your uh, your work and your dues and deliver on a deadline and uh, deliver the goods. I always remember hearing that expression. You got to deliver the goods. A lot of people talk right. about writing a book or doing something. At some point you got to deliver, you know, and, and people who right. deliver and come up with product are interesting and attractive because it's not just talk about someday I'm going to do something. Even if it's, you know, I mean, some guy's dream is just like my dad, put an extension room on the house and planning it out, getting it built and building the patio. Uh, that was yeah. his idea of expansion and success. And he, he never stopped the building. We used to call our house the Winchester house, the lady who never stopped building, you know. So uh, he, oh, yeah. he enjoyed that planning and he enjoyed the uh, trips as well. Yeah. Well, Paul, to... To wrap up, I wanted to talk about one more point on the lifestyle list, number 12, one that also really stuck out to me when I first read it. I circulate all things good. The bad stops with me. Now, you know, with with James Bond, we see him, you know, uh, fighting the villains, shooting them. The bad, <laughs> the bad stops with him uh, to a degree that way so where how does this connect to the james bond lifestyle the bat the bad stops with me i circulate all things good well this was what i call my first adult decision ninth ninth grade they had a ninth grade and reading some guy's mad magazine and they had a little cartoon it had four panels and there was no dialogue but it had a, a man in his at the office and his boss is yelling at him. And they just had these lying words coming out of the boss's mouth, waving a finger, yelling at the at the man. The next frame, mm -hmm. the man goes home and he's yelling at his wife. Next frame, the wife is yelling at her little boy's son. And the last frame is the son yelling at the dog. 
And I remember my dad had a bad boss at one point and he got angry at home sometime. And I remember him yelling at my mom and my mom yelling at me. And so that, that struck home when I saw that, you know, and at ninth grade, Frank, I said to myself, I am not going to be some chain in a comic book. Somebody yells at me. I'm not going to pass it on to a weaker person or any yeah. other person. That was a pretty good adult decision in ninth grade. And that's why I say, you know, everybody, you know, comes, you know what that guy said about you? He said, you're a loser. That's past on <laughs> dad. But somebody says, hey, you know, the guy, Frank, he's got a great uh, podcast. And I'm going to come to you and say, hey, Frank, you know, that guy, he said he really likes your podcast. So that's what I mean by I pass on good words. But any, any bad words, I'm not going to be some, uh, you know, conduit for some guy's negativity. So you hear a lot of negativity or somebody talk bad about something. I'm going to pass on only the compliments. I'm not going to pass on any bad negativity or even, uh, you know, any kind of neg negativity. You know, there was an earthquake in Brazil or something, you know. Uh, I'm not right. going to pass that on to you, Frank. I'm going to pass on, uh, hey, you hear this guy? has uh, got a big success with his podcast. And he's got a million viewers because he... Yeah, <laughs> on a certain place, and he did this, Frank, and this is what you, that's what I'm going to pass on. I'm not going to say, oh, there's one guy who has a podcast and he never makes any money. So that, <laughs> that's what I mean. That's I'm not. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by that. I'm going to yeah. pass on compliments and good uh, information, and I'm not going to pass on anybody else's negativity. Yeah, I like also how it's a two part. So it's like the bad stops with me. So I'm not going to pass on negativity. I think a lot of people could do that, but they would stop there. But the first part of it is very important. And it's actually an active thing you have to do is circulating good things. Because a lot of people, I think, might hear something good or even just think something good. You know, oh, like I, I like what that person did. I like, you know, compliments that you could pass on to people that are never passed on. And so if you if you realize, hey, I should be more active, I should actually try to circulate more good, it's a very powerful thing, like just to pass on some encouragement to people. And a lot of people don't realize how, how it's almost sad, how little encouragement you need to give to someone to really like change their life. I don't think people realize it. Yeah, very, the, a good word or a good, you know, card in the mail or a little gift is so powerful and it always seems to come at the right time. Somebody sends you a card or a gift or a nice email or a compliment. It's not flattery, uh, Frank. There's an art to it. And it's the art yeah. of catching somebody in the act of doing something good and to be able to verbalize it saying, hey, I like that podcast you did the other day about uh, this book. That was really good. It's not flattery. Flattery is Frank, you're going to be the biggest in the world. You're going to be <laughs> flattery. A true compliment is, hey, that last podcast that you did on that book was really great. Well, there's a whole there's a whole art to it. We hear a lot of flattery, you know, BS uh, people. That, that has no power. But uh, catching per, a person in the act of doing something good and pointing it out is, uh, is, is really an art. And it's very powerful. To yeah, well, it's... Yeah, I think the difference there would be that flattery is kind of like it's all about the person giving it. They're trying they're trying to spin something so that it reflects good on them. 
you know, whereas if you're giving a genuine compliment, it's all about the person who you're giving the compliment to. And you're right, it is an art form. It's it's because sometimes sometimes it's difficult to uh give a compliment without seeming like you're you're being flattering even if you don't mean to be. So yeah, uh yeah, I was standing I, I think, in line at young age, I think I was right of the Air Force, age twenty six. I was standing in line at a bank and there was a young lady teller and there's an old, old woman filling out this check and this teller said, Okay, now you put the number there. One, three, oh, <laughs> now you're right here. There's your name, L, oh, right there. She took a long, she took five minutes to write out this check. So finally, uh, she got done. And I went up to the teller and I, I looked down at my checkbook. I started writing and I said, um, I saw you with the lady. You were really nice and patient with her. And I just, it just came out of my mouth. And then I looked up at the girl and she looked at me. Like I just told her the greatest thing, her mouth was open, her eyes were shiny. Because yeah. it was a true it was a true compliment. I caught her in the act of doing something good. But it was just, you know, I was surprised the power that it had because, you know, giving her that true compliment. Right. It's very powerful. And I it's I'm glad that it's on this list because I think it really it really is uh something that could be life-changing in a small way to someone even if you don't even if you don't realize it when when you do it when you pass it on so paul paul i think uh i think we're nearing the end of the podcast here so i just had a couple of quick questions for you some more fun questions uh about bond uh so who would you say is your favorite bond actor of all, all, throughout the years, does one pop out to you as being your favorite? Well, I really like all of them, uh, and I, I like uh, Daniel Craig's uh, new powerful um, type of Bond. But George Lacey oh, yeah. in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, he um, got he was twenty nine years old and uh, very athletic. Uh, it was a romantic Bond. It's the only movie Bond falls in love. He gets married. Uh, it's a big movie. Many uh, purists, James Bond people, that's their favorite uh, movie. George Lazenby, even though he made one, it's still very popular at Bond uh, events. I met him a couple of times. I dedicated my book. I said, if I could be James Bond, I'd be uh, George Lazenby. So I dedicated oh, really? my book to him. So, um, yeah, young, athletic, and uh, romantic, and falls in love. And uh, it's a great big movie, too. So. Uh, that's still my favorite uh, Bond movie and Bond actor. Wow. You know, that's one of the ones I haven't seen. I've seen many of them, but I haven't seen that one. So I need to go check that one out. Oh, you're in for a treat when you see that one. Oh, <laughs> I, I look forward to it. I haven't seen a Bond movie in a while. I've seen some of the Daniel Craig ones recently, but not any of the older ones. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check that one out. Uh, so if you... If you don't mind me asking, Paul, what brings you out to Japan? Because that I was surprised when you said you were in Japan. Uh, are you out there working on on a uh, film right now, or is that just? Are you an expatriate now? Um, I, I I was in martial arts karate from age eighteen three times a week, and my instructor got me into Japanese samurai movies. All my my movies have had some martial arts in it, or been the, the whole story of martial arts. I made the movie Ninja Buzz. I studied Japanese just to study it. Uh, and, and also I was dreaming of hiring this one uh, Japanese actor. 
I wanted to be able to talk Japanese. And then on the movie Ninja Busters, we needed to hire a ninja boss, and we hired this uh, from a modeling agency, a, a Japanese uh, a young woman who uh, was also a flight attendant on um, mm-hmm. airlines and lived in Japan, but was stationed in San Francisco. And she was the ninja boss on Ninja Busters, and we started dating. We got married, and our goal was to live in two countries at the same time, which we did for a while. I wanted to break into movies in Japan. In Japan, uh, I didn't. I did my movies in America. But, um, yeah, we liked Japan, and we lived in two places, and then finally we just said, we'll live here. But I came to um, America twice a year, two months at a time, mm-hmm. visit parents, go on trips, do my audio books, make my movies. Wow. Out here in Tokyo, and uh, the trains go everywhere. You don't need to drive in the city. I love yeah. to drive California and such, and Arizona. Uh, the daily, I like the trains. So that's what I'm yeah. doing. And uh, I married the um, Ninja Boss and Ninja Busters. <laughs> wow. Well, that is, you know, that's inspiring to hear your story because you you had a goal, you had something you really wanted to do just something in your life you want to live in japan and you did it i think it's that's very inspiring yeah and a friend of my wife's a japanese woman living in california and ever seemed like they all want to go back to japan and she said well you can't we don't we want to live in two places at the same time well you can't do that that's impossible this lady, <laughs> this lady was rich and i thought wait a minute Oh, the rent, a real nice apartment in San Francisco. That was at the time six hundred bucks, and uh, an apartment in, in Tokyo, real nice, would be twelve hundred bucks. So twelve hundred plus six hundred, that's eighteen hundred a month. That's how you live in two places at the same time, eighteen hundred a month. It's not impossible. It's not even right. that expensive. The, they, all you have to do is uh, use those two gadgets. Get your calculator out and uh, and plan it out on a calendar when you're going to be in each place. That's it. We add it up. You add the airfare, and that's how you live in two places at the same time. So you, uh, Very, you only live twice. James Bond in Japan is always my uh, favorite. Uh, one of my favorite Bond movies and um, favorite Bond girl is in in that movie. So um, oh really? Japanese girl. So it all kind of uh, mentally mentally played out and thanks to the internet i can do all my work and and uh business and communication um you know just like i'm in japan one time i was always in touch with my parents by telephone you know before the internet and i felt Uh, like they were right next door you know even though i'm in japan and then they were making a a trip uh to um to canada and uh before the cell phones and i thought Oh, they're leaving me because <laughs> I can't touch my telephone. But when I was in touch by telephone, it was like they were right next door. So then, then right. you know, of course, cell phones came in, and I can call them, and with the internet, I could track their trip on my computer and say, "Oh, there you are in the map," and we're okay. And I said, "Yeah, you're right." So it's 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 wonderful. The internet is is a wonderful thing. Right. Well, the world is definitely uh, a lot more close-knit of a place now with it so you can even talk to a guy on uh, the east coast of the united states and uh, record a podcast with him it's very cool it's amazing i never take it for granted and, and that's a, hey the big step even anthony robbins will tell you the first step to prosperity is to appreciate what you have and another success teacher said uh, you know you want to start a business and you say well i, I 
don't have this. I don't have an office. I don't. But you start with what you have. Well, let's see. I've got this computer. I got this cell phone. I got these business cards. I got this table. And you know, and you start with what you have, and you appreciate what you had. Somebody, somebody said a prisoner in a prison. I mean, on a on a low security prison, lives better than a prince in the old days. You know, right? So you know, and certainly people free in apartments. Uh, we all, geez, uh, used to be only the the, the rich studio heads had uh, projection rooms in their in their houses, and now we have these big sixty inch four uh, K television. We can watch any movie we want anytime. So this one, right? No. That's that's a great thing to point out because so many people are either focused on what they don't have or they're focused on where they are relative to where they want to be and so they instead of seeing hey I'm you know like say you want to write a screenplay you say hey I'm writing page 30 of my screenplay today you know that's that should be a significant thing but if you're f- looking forward and be like oh no well I have you know, whatever, 90 more pages to write, then it's going to put you in a bad mental space rather than being like, I'm where I am. You know, the, this is good to be right here. This is good to to be able to have the ideas I have right now and, and the, you know, the physical things that I have, uh, the, the amount of money that I have, uh, et cetera, rather than focusing on what you don't have or what you want and don't have yet. Exactly right. Start with what you have appreciate it and that's the first step to prosperity and prosperity is not just cash prosperity means uh health yeah ready cash of course um nice place to live it's a prosperity is a lifestyle not just cash so you want it all the horn of plenty is the symbol of lifestyle all the food coming so um it's something something to think about right right well, Paul, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. It's been a great conversation. I've really had a good time uh, hearing your uh, expanded thoughts, detailed thoughts on the James Bond lifestyle and, and hearing about your career and the, the inspiration behind everything. Uh, where can people learn more about uh, you and about the James Bond lifestyle? Well, the easiest thing to do is go to Amazon search James Bond Lifestyle, and the book will come up, the Kindle version, and just click it. You can read it's 350 pages, so you can read 35 pages for free. And uh, those are the introduction and the list of, uh, you'll see all the chapters and sub-chapters. There's 20 chapters, but each chapter has uh, 20 or more sub-chapters. And uh, so you can read the first 30 pages for, for free right there on Amazon. Click the Look Inside book. Oh, very cool. You can can download the Kindle. That's the Spectre uh, Spectre version, and uh, Mm -hmm. which is much expanded at uh, from 2015. You know, the paper book is uh, is out of print on and marketeers have it on Amazon. I've seen the price as high as one thousand two hundred dollars for the paper book. (laughs) So you can get the expanded version, the up to date version for a ten dollar Kindle right there on your. uh, your computer just uh, read the first 30 pages wow very cool i'll see if i can put a link to it in the description for this episode i I think i should be able to so check out the description and uh, i'll put a link to it there 
Uh, and then the website is bondlife.com. Of course, I showed it off in my uh, in my YouTube video, Be Like Bond, which I'll also link. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff there. You can read the, the 21 points of the James Bond lifestyle uh, and see other cool stuff there. Uh, as And then the movie, Forbidden Power. You said people could also find that on Amazon? Yeah, you can rent it for 48 hours for uh, $3.99. And uh, it's Very uh, cool. winning prizes, won the best picture at uh, one of the independent Hollywood uh, uh, film festivals, just been accepted into the New York uh, World uh, Fair Film Festival. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an exciting it's an exciting movie. It's very rare. It beat out one thousand independent movies at the the Hollywood Film Festival. It's, it was uh, it delivers the goods. There's never a never a boring point in that movie. Made sure. Oh, very cool. We stars, so I had to make sure the story and the pace was excellent. So that's on um, Amazon as well. And people can uh, free to uh, connect with me on Facebook. My name, Paul Curiosity. I'm on Twitter at uh, Bond Life. That's my that's my link. I got one of the. I was able to get that Bond Life. Um, uh, what do you call it? Address uh, uh-huh. early on when the internet first started. And now people want to buy it. So, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I was able to get that Bond Life and and own it. So all right. Well, connect. Do they have questions? Uh, you know, feel free to personal message me on Facebook. All right, very good. Yeah, I encourage anyone in the audience to who is interested by this to go ahead connect with Paul that way through those means through Facebook, Twitter. Check out those websites. I'm I'm looking forward to watching that movie. So thanks, Paul, again for being here. Really enjoyed it, and uh, you take care. Okay, Frank, I'm energized because we've been talking about positive, prosperous uh, action things. I'm energized. We've been talking in an hour and fifty minutes, and I got more energy. And then when we started, so it shows the power of uh, two people. What is that? Two or more gathered in my name type of thing. So two people or three or more on the same wavelength, you get in. So I I thank you for having me on your show. My pleasure. I'm energized too. Of course, it's morning where you are and it's 1030 at night where I am. So (laughs) So I'm going to be up all night thinking about this. Okay, I'm going to go out and greet the day. Right. (laughs) Great. All right. Take care, Paul. Thank you. There he goes, Paul Kiriazzi. I want to thank him once again for taking the time to talk with me and go through the James Bond lifestyle and recount some of his experiences in the movie industry. Thank you all so much for listening, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure you hit the heart button. Make sure you're following me here. If you're on iTunes, make sure you leave a star rating and subscribe. Same on Spotify. Make sure you're following me here. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more guests on this show moving forward. Yes, the podcast is back. It is back, folks. No more nine-month intervals. Here we go. We're doing it. All right, I'll see you next time, or I'll hear you next time. Whatever. Bye-bye.